0: a drive inside you. It's more than a desire. It's a need based on how you're wired, how I'm wired, how we're created. It is this thing inside you, the thing inside me, that causes us to want to matter. It causes us to want to somehow in this life make a difference. But as we grow older and as life happens and as challenges are faced and some we overcome and others we deal with and then there are some that defeat us, as we grow older, our idea that we can make a difference moves from what could have been a dream or a purpose to almost feeling like a fairy tale that's just not reality. We lose hope. That in this life, I can do something that matters. There are people that do things that matter, I'm just not one of them. And we look at who we are, and we look at where we are, and we look at what we have, and we say we see no way to truly matter. So we hold on to relationships where we seem to matter, but even some of those relationships become broken. We try to define ourselves by a level of success and how much we achieve or how much we know or how much we make, but even that begins to crumble, and the older we get, we, we begin to feel sort of overwhelmed by the reality of, did, did my life matter? And I think one of the amazing things that God has given us, you and me, no matter who you are, no matter who I am, one of the things that God has given us is an opportunity to matter. So this morning, no matter who you are, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you've processed in life, no matter where you've been, no matter how bad it's been, this morning I, I have one simple agenda. I, I want to show you, and, and more than that, I'm asking God to show you how much you matter. Because in this series, what if, today's question is this. What if you're able to matter more than you ever thought you would? What if you, you, are able to matter more than you ever thought you would? And before you dismiss that, before you hit mute, before you start thinking about who you hope wins this afternoon or what you've got to do tomorrow or or the thought pattern of what's for lunch, that's usually second service, but before you do that, I want to encourage you this morning, just for the next few moments, to maybe think in a way that it's been a long time since you've thought like that, to maybe think in a way that you've never thought, and to do that, I want to go to a person in Scripture that you may or may not be familiar with. Many of you will have never heard of this person. God tells us about him. He he only shows up in two verses in all the Bible. We have chapters upon chapters about Jesus as we should. He's our Savior, and he's the author of the entire thing. We learn through 13 different letters about the Apostle Paul and what he wrote to the early church that God inspired. We have the in-depth stories of Moses and Noah. We find all about them, find out all about them, but this individual, two verses. But in these two verses... In just two brief moments on the pages of Scripture thousands of years ago, I believe in so many ways you and I can relate to this one person. We discover, he comes on the scene in the book of Judges, the children of Israel have already entered the promised land. Joshua led them into the promised land, and now they're in a season where they have no king and judges are ruling in Israel, and we come across this one simple verse, and the verse is in the context of the Philistines continually attacking, the Philistines continually defeating the people of God, because sometimes what God promised in the moment can look like a lie. Sometimes what God promised, you you can arrive at that address and it feel like simply a cruel joke. Because sometimes what God promises doesn't look anything like we thought it would look based on the promise. You've read the verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. Maybe you have it on a coffee mug or a bumper sticker for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a great future. And we read the Bible through these lenses of God wants me to somehow be successful. The problem is we define success on our terms. So, the children of Israel have made it into the promised land, but there doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of promise. The Philistines are kicking their tail like Dallas did to New York. The the Philistines are just, it's just what happens. And and so, the people of God, one Sunday, I'm not going to talk about football. One Sunday, it's coming. The people of God, though, they're just getting their tail kicked over and over again. And when the Philistines beat them, they take what they have. They plunder them. It's a horrible scenario. And in that context, in the promised land that doesn't feel much like a promise, I I thought if I committed my life to Christ, I would sense the presence of God more. I I thought if I committed my life to Christ, our marriage would improve. I I thought if I really committed my life to Christ and and, and came to church, I, I thought my kids would be better off than what I'm seeing and evaluating right now. I thought they'd make wiser decisions. I, I thought if I committed my life to Christ, things would lighten up a little bit at work. I mean, I, I know that every day can't be heaven, but I just thought things would go better. Uh, committing my life to Jesus and becoming a Christ follower doesn't look like what I thought the promised land would look like. In that context, we read about this guy. Judges chapter 3, verse 31. After Ehud came... Shamgar, son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad. He too saved Israel. That's somewhat humorous to me that in the scripture it's just sort of a casual mention. Oh, yeah, there was this guy. He killed 600 Philistines. No big deal. With an ox goad, it is a farming tool. Shamgar was not a warrior, he was a farmer. He was not a warrior, he, he, he would tend the fields, and he also watched over animals, and the, the ox goad was not a weapon, it was a tool. But when you're called by God, and given a task by God, and have a purpose defined by God, whatever is in your hand becomes a weapon for his good and his purpose. So Shamgar is there, minding his own business. Here come the Philistines, and, and who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad. Because what you have in your hand could be all that you need and even greater than what you wish you had. He too saved Israel. Under the people on the list, however long it is, we don't know for sure, but on the list of people that saved Israel, Shamgar, he too saved Israel. And there are three very simple principles we learn from Shamgar that I think can apply to your life and can apply to my life. It it, it touches that I want to matter. It touches that drive of I want to make a difference. And we learn some truth in this that we have often dismissed away because of how life looks. It's very simple. Start where you are. Use what you have. Do what you can. Start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. That's something that every single one of us in this room can do. Start where you are, not where they are. Use what you have, not what they have. Do what you can, not what they can. Start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. You know what that means? Shamgar started right where he was. He used what he had, he did what he could. I've discovered in life that when I do what I can, God seems to do the rest. But when I'm waiting on God to do what he can to see if it's worth me doing what I can, he often hesitates and waits. God has, yes, a go-first mentality, but his mentality is I did go first when I sent Jesus. I've already gone first. You step up. Start where you are. Use what you have. Do what you can. Start where you are is not start where you want to be. Start where you are is not start where you want to be. How much emotional and spiritual energy do you and I waste thinking about where we want to be? Excusing away what could happen because we're not where we want to be. Thinking, well, if I was there, if I was like him or if I was like her, if yeah, if I had his wife, I, yeah, she's encouraging. If I, if I had that job, of course, if I lived in that house, if I made that kind of money, if I had those kind of kids or kids, if I had those kind of parents, we, we spend so much time on focusing Where we're not. But there's another verse he shows up. Just one other verse. Two chapters later. In the days of Shangar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned and travelers took to the winding paths. I wish I could take the highway, it'd be a better process, a smoother ride, but I'm in a time and a culture where we have to take the winding paths, and that's where Shamgar found himself, He, he had to start where he was, start where you are, start where you are, it's absolutely essential, you can't start where you want to be, you have to start where you are, start where you are, it's going to come up in a second, I promise, start where, there it is, see, look, because here's the reality, when I focus only on where I'd like to be, where I'd like to be will never be reality. I've got this thing on my phone, and you've got it on your phone, called GPS. And I use the junk out of mine. In fact, my family makes fun of me because I'll use the GPS on my phone. I'll use the Maps thing or Google Maps or whatever. I'll use it for directions to places I've already been. Now, not places I go all the time. Like, I don't use it to go to my kid's house. I mean, I, I, I know how to get there. But, but overall, I mean, if I've been somewhere just once or twice, I'm going to use it again. The reason for that is I don't want to have to take up mental space remembering places I don't go that often. So I don't worry about it. I've got my phone for that. But one thing that's interesting, when I pull up GPS, I can enter all day long the address I want to go to. But if I don't know where I'm starting from, I can't get there. Every time you turn on the GPS, you can enter where you want to go but it's going to ask you where you're starting from. What's your location? And we can spend so much time thinking about where we'd like to be that we miss the opportunity we could have right where we are. So you would like a better job. What if you functioned in a better way in the job you have? You would like a better spouse. What if you became the better spouse? You you would like for your kids to do better. What if you didn't just tell them what they ought to do? What if you showed them? Because it is often the hypocrisy of parents that degrades the activity of the kids. So start where you are. Where are you? You've got to know that. I've got to know that. It's not where I'd like to be. I understand, but do you understand? The Bible says do not diminish or discount the days of small things. You are where you are strategically placed by God, and you are where you are for a purpose and a reason, and it might not be fun. Sometimes my kids, I, I, when they were younger, I would say things to them and tell them what needed to be done. They would say, Dad, that's not fair, and I'd look around and say, this is no fair. I see no merry-go-round. This is not, I'm, I'm, merry-go-round. I'm not here to make life fair, or if they didn't put something up there as supposed to, I'd say, hey, hey, come here, come here, come here. This week we fired the butler, and so I'm going to need you. We've never had a butler, by the way, (laughs) before rumors get started. Start where you are. Take a moment to analyze where you are, not from the lens of where you wish you were, but the reality of where you are. And then use what you have. All of us can do this. You can use what you have. Use what you have, not what you wish you had. Shamgar, I'm going to use you, God would say, to take out 600 Philistines. Okay, God, I don't have a rifle. I don't have an AR-15. I don't have a shotgun. I don't have a machete. I don't even have a steak knife. I have no ammunition. I have no bombs. I I have nothing. All I have is this farming tool. Listen. It's not the size of the task or the calling that God puts on your life. It's what he's already put in your hand that you may discount that's going to accomplish his purpose. And, and how, who would get the credit if my man Shamgar back in the day had an AR-15, 600, no big deal. Now some of you are just very uncomfortable I'm even talking about AR-15s. You're like, I'm not sure how we feel about this, but I'm from Texas, it's okay. He had a farming tool. He had a tool that you would use to work the livestock. But God can take what he's already given you and elevate it to a greater purpose that makes no sense to anyone else. And when he does that, who gets the credit, you or God? Maybe God's given you the very thing you need where he gets all the glory, all the credit, it's all because of him and it's obvious to everybody. But you miss revealing God's glory and seeing it in your life and letting others see it in your life when you think about what you don't have. When we focus on what we don't have, we never see what we do have. It's what erodes marriages. When all of you begin to focus on is what he's not like and what she's not like. What you don't have in a husband or what you don't have in a wife. And when we do that, we tend to overlook The things we do have that are actually a blessing. Use what you have. When God told Noah to build the ark, I'm going to send rain. It's never rained. It's going to be a foreign concept. It's going to be something you don't fully understand. When God told Noah to build the ark, he didn't pop online and order lumber from Home Depot. He didn't wait for God. Okay, God, you told me to build the ark. Now, when you provide the stuff, when you provide the lumber and everything I'm going to need, the rope to tie the beams together, that stuff I'm going to need to seal the cracks with, God, I'll do what you want me to do, but when you should No, he didn't do that. God said, build an ark. And Noah said, okay, what do I have? I have trees. And he got to work. God told Abraham, you're going to be the father of a nation. And Abraham Abraham looks at his bride, and she is 99 years old. Use what you got. And so... He becomes the father of a nation. He didn't say, hey, I, I, can't, I can't do this. She's 99 years old. No, because every man knows it's practicing that's a lot of fun. And so he decided, let's try. C3 Kids. Fifth grade and younger, C3 Kids. Listen, C3 Kids is a big deal. Let me, let me just give a little plug. C3 Kids is amazing, and here's why. When our kids, Angie and I have four kids, when they turned five years old, you know where we sent them? Kindergarten. We didn't register them at UCF for college freshman English. We sent them to kindergarten because we wanted them to get a solid foundation. C3 Kids engages kids on their level to teach them about Jesus. So C3 Kids, parents, listen. And if you're a guest this morning, you're in this room and you're like, man, I don't want strangers watching my kids. I get it, I get it, I get it. But I want you to understand eventually, man, the goal is get them and see three kids because that's going to help develop them far more than anything that happens in this room. Noah, build an ark. Abraham, you're going to have kids. David, kill a giant. But I don't, I don't, I don't have the armor. It's too heavy for me to wear. I don't have a weapon. All I have is a sh- slingshot. That's all you need when God says do it. I'll use what you've got in your hands. Or the disciples. When there were 5,000 men plus women and children and then they were hungry. And Jesus said, you feed them. What do the disciples do? I mean, Uber Eats, we can't, like, who? what do we do? 5,000 men plus women and children. They used what they had. They found a little boy that had just a few fish and loaves. And God blessed it. God will always bless when we use what we have when he's called us to a purpose. But how many people sit on the sidelines of life waiting for God to deliver the lumber, provide the younger wife, show up and somehow give the right weapon, or feed me, feed me, feed me, and we've become spiritually gluttonous because we're not doing what God's called us to do using what we have. You may not have everything, but you do have something. You may not have what you want, but you do have something. Well, I, I I feel like I, I want to accomplish this, or I want to see this happen in my life, or I want to improve this, or I want to, I want to go there, I want to see these things happen in my life. I'm just, I'm just waiting on God to show me the way. I'm waiting on God to provide what I need. Let's stop wasting time waiting on God when he could very well be waiting on us. Use what you have. You have breath. You have life. You have the opportunity to learn from a book that is not just a book, more than just an ancient document, the only book in the entire existence divinely inspired by God, a book that claims it is the very breath of the living God, a book that is actually living. And the more you read this book, the more it will read you. Use what you have. Start where you are. Use what you have. Do what you can. Do what you can i wish I wish I could sing, but i 've been told i can 't sing i 've been told i 'm not sure those people are trustworthy, so I might try it sometime and get your opinion but listen there, there are certain gifts i don 't have there's some things i can 't do we can 't do everything, but we can do some things. so what can we do? I mean, if I can't do this and I can't do that and the things I want to accomplish in life, I think it's going to take more. And, and maybe you look at your marriage and think, man, I just, I, I can't do it. I'm not the kind of personality that works with that kind of personality. Or you look at your kids and you feel overwhelmed. I, I know as a father of four, I get it. There are seasons that you feel overwhelmed and and you feel woefully inadequate for the circumstances your child is facing and you have no idea how to help them navigate that season. What what do you do when it seems like there's nothing you can do? You can't do everything, but you can do some things. What can you do? You can pray. And maybe part of the reason we struggle so often in life is we minimize the very thing we can do and view it as inadequate. You can pray. It's kind of like... Okay. it's prayer that moves the hand of God what if you stop, stop talking to yourself so much about what you can't do and where you're not and what you don't have and started talking more to God than yourself about what he can do with where you are and what you have we can pray we can trust we can trust now please understand trust is if it's not a feeling It's a choice. I don't trust. You you can break my trust, but but I don't initially give trust because I feel some kind of way. It's a choice. It's a decision. And if you've been burned in relationships, if if you've been through some circumstances in life, trust can erode. I understand. I've been through some things in my life. One thing in particular a few years ago that, that took me a long time because of some friendships and what happened, took me a long time to be able to trust again. But you know who's never let me down? God himself. You can trust. In fact, isn't, isn't faith, isn't the essence of faith trusting God even when it feels like I shouldn't? Isn't the trust that I use in the moments when it seems like God is unaware or unable and I choose anyway to trust his purpose and his timing isn't that where faith grows the most? And isn't it the people that choose to trust in those circumstances that impress you? And you might think it's oh, somewhat crazy. But they continue to trust and there's a peace about them. Peace can reside at the same address with sadness and confusion and hurt. Peace can live in the same place. And when you let peace live there and you choose to trust anyway, peace is a bigger resident than anything else. You can pray, you can trust. I can pray and I can trust. We can follow. I mean, if you're here this morning and you're a Christ follower, Christ follower. I might not know everything I need to do. Listen, sometimes I'll have people that they'll discuss things with me, and they'll say, well, what about this? What about that? Man, I, I just I feel like in the life of the church, we just need to go a little bit deeper. I just feel like we need to have a greater understanding of the word of God. People aren't getting it, and we just need to go deep. I just wish you would preach not verse by verse, but word by word through the book. I just want to know deeper. I think the deepest thing we can do is forgive people that hurt us. And I'm still trying to get that down. I don't need to learn something new. That the struggle is not with what we don't know yet. The struggle is with what we know but don't do. So what are the areas in your life that you can follow? This is what God says on that subject. This is what God says about that issue. What are the areas in your life that you can follow that you're not following? You can do that. I can do that. You know something else we can do? We can anticipate. Is there in your life an anticipation of what God's going to do in you and through you? Is there an anticipation about what's going to happen? we We are knocking on the door of 2020. Is there an anticipation? Or is there more a hesitation? Because you just don't see how. We can anticipate. I'm not talking about futile anticipation where we're just delusional. I'm not talking about hope for the sake of hope where we just lie to ourselves and believe a fantasy. I'm talking about anticipating that God is a good God because he gave his only son for me. If he loves me that much, he's going to take care of whatever I'm facing. I'm talking about an anticipation anchored in a hope that is stable and consistent and sure. We can anticipate, we can live. You can be breathing but not living. We can live. We can seize the moment and the opportunities of each and every day, what they give us, no matter how big or how small. We can take advantage of the moments we have with people we love or people that we're needing. We can live. Well, I'm just waiting. I I, I would enjoy life more if I just had some good friends. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Stop focusing on wishing you had good friends and just be a good friend. If you'll be a good friend, you'll have good friends. We can live. After Ehud came Shamgar, Shamgar, son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goat. He too saved Israel. Maybe what you're facing, it's overwhelming odds. You could say 600 to 1. But when God asks you to do something and God calls you to do something, if you start where you are, use what you have, do what you can, it all works out every single time. You and I, maybe we've been focused on some of the wrong things. Start where you are, not where you wish you were. Use what you have, not what you don't have that you spend all your time thinking about. If I did have, I could do it. Do what you can, not what all the things you think you can't do, and I can't because, and I'll never because. Stop that. That stinking thinking will erode your destiny and who God's called you to be. Start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. So what if you're able to matter more than you ever thought you would? And what if the path to get there is the path of Shamgar. You know, it's not just true in your life, it's true in the life of our church. We could focus on what we don't have. We don't have a permanent location that we own or that we're buying or that we're leasing. We don't have a a seven-day-a-week venue. You don't have a pastor with with hair. Like, if if you need prayer or, or you have questions about what hair product, I can't help you. We could spend a lot of time focusing on what we don't have. We, we got a lobby in this building that's the size of a closet. I mean, we, we could spend time focusing on what we don't have. We, we live in Florida. We don't have snow. We don't have four seasons. We, we could spend time focusing on what we don't have. But what do we have as a church? We have a city that God has placed us in strategically that is a destination for the world. The world comes here. Yes, we're a portable church, but we, seated, we, we meet in a room that seats 845 people, and most of the seats are not broken. Some of them are, but most of the seats work just fine. We have incredible people, hundreds of people that serve as an army of volunteers in the life of this church that help create a different kind of culture. We're a kind of community of faith where it doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter how big or small your bank account is. It doesn't matter how bad or shameful your past is. You matter just as much as anybody else in the room. That's why even being portable, even having some of the obstacles that we face, God is using and blessing the life of this church and using you to make a difference in hundreds and hundreds of people every single month. We have a unique opportunity. About a year ago, I asked you to join me in Let's Go. And if you were here, then you remember, we began to pray and we began to set aside over and above our tithes and offerings an amount, those that were a part of C3, that we would invest in the future. And for almost a year now, we've been doing that And everything you've given and everything I've given to Let's Go. I mean, it, it even goes into an entirely separate bank account. We don't touch it for anything. That's all for the next step. And throughout this year, we have engaged uh, people that are experts in the field of finding space. If you remember about a year ago, and if you weren't here, what I shared with the church was, I believe it's time, we've been in our young family kind of like leasing an apartment, and it's time to either purchase a home or lease a home. God is using the life of C3, but God is continuing to grow and bring more and more people. And what I shared with you was a vision that I believe God gave us, a vision to step into what I would call a community center, the, the kind of facility that would be used by the community because I, I have no interest in building or buying a church because we're the church, people are the church. But if we were to build or buy or set up a community center that would become a hub in the community where people come day by day and where we could invest in people who are investing in the community, so if you lead a gymnastics class and you help some students be a part of your class that can't afford it. Well man, I want to invest in people like that. So we say, "Hey, use our building on Tuesday, no charge." Or, or one day we have a wing of office space and you've got a dream and a desire, your Christ follower God's put something in your heart. I love entrepreneurial spirits. I mean, I, I think like an entrepreneur, portable church, I mean, I think like an entrepreneur. And so we say to people, hey man, you, you know, you've got a vision in your heart, you've got something God believes you, he, wants you to, you want, he wants you to do, and, and maybe you're going to be an insurance salesman, or, or an attorney, or a chiropractor, or something like, hey, here's office space, use it free for two and a half years, and then, now you've got to be out in two and a half years, we're putting somebody else in it, but let's help people fulfill their dream, because when we help people fulfill the purpose and the calling for their life, then God will elevate and impact our church in huge ways so our passion the next step for us is a community center and while we've evaluated over the past year there have been a couple of opportunities that we've looked at that we thought okay in fact one of them I told you about and I asked you to be praying and God answered our prayers and he answered our prayers by saying no but you do understand every time God says no it's so he can say yes to something that is far better. Every single time God says no. I look back in my life at the things God said no to. That I really, really wanted. And I'm so glad he said no. You can relate to that. Remember that girl you thought you wanted to marry in high school? Remember? Remember? And you look back or maybe you went to the high school reunion. And you're like, dear God, thank you. <laughs> God can see into our future. And so... We don't have, we are still pursuing and this, this company is helping us, we don't have an exact location, but let me tell you one of the things happening. The experts that are pouring into us and helping us navigate this have told us about the Amazon effect. What's coming in our culture is significant. In fact, let me ask you a question. I just, I just kind of want to know this just for a second. How many of you in 2019, this year, 2019, how many of you went to Blockbuster and rented a video? Anybody? Anybody? How many of you went to a mall and went into the Sears store and bought something? How many? It's okay if you did. Don't be ashamed. Anybody? How many of you in 2019, maybe you didn't buy anything, but you went online and took a peek through Amazon. How many of you went online to Amazon? Look around. You know, Amazon's strategy has changed. The people that are helping us, they just built one of Amazon's major facilities. And you know they're taking up less ground space and they're going higher because they now have drones and it doesn't cost as much to go high. It costs a lot to buy land to go wide. What does that mean for us? The Amazon effect is taking place. They're telling us moneywise.com has an article that says over the next few years, over 75,000 more stores are going to be closing because everything's moving online. You know what that means? That means at some point when God decides and defines, there's going to be space. How many box stores do you think are going to be open at some point? And they're going to be selling them at a much better price than they would have two, three, or four years ago because there's going to be such a plethora of opportunity because everything's going online and all that's sitting there. So what does that mean for us? I'm so glad you asked because I wanted to answer that question. Ephesians chapter 5. I want you to notice two verses that really apply to us. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Be very careful then how you live. It means there is the opportunity to live in a careless way, not a careful way. Be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Hey, we don't want to be fools. We want to be wise, making the most of every opportunity with what's happening in our country with the Amazon effect, and it's going to happen more and more. It's almost like there's this big conveyor belt, and if you dig into the language in the Greek of the picture that this verse paints, it's consistent with, it's almost like there's this big conveyor belt. And on that conveyor belt is a window of opportunity, and it's coming. And our responsibility is to be ready because of the Amazon effect. In fact, did you know Amazon is even, they're about to start delivering groceries? In Dallas, Texas now, in just a couple of months, you'll be able to order groceries, and they'll be delivered same day. You can order in the evening. You'll have them first thing in the morning. Now, there are already companies that deliver groceries. But, but Am- Amazon's taking over the world, y'all. We might call it Amazon Church. Who knows? Anyway, no, we're not. We're not. We're not. We're not. It's C3 Church. We're not. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. You think the days are evil? And there's not just an evil out there. A lot of people battle an evil in here every day. The evil that says you're less than. The evil that says that you don't matter. The evil that says that your life doesn't count. The evil that says that you can't make a difference. Hey, I want to show you how you can make a difference. But our mindset is to be wise and our calling is to get ready. Because that conveyor belt has started. It's moving. What's happening in our culture is undeniable. And that window of opportunity, it's going to be right in front of us in the near future. And we have to be ready. So what we, well, we started going with let's go, we're now over the next year calling it rise up. We thought we'd grab that because the Atlanta Falcons aren't doing anything with it, so we thought we'd grab Rise Up, and and as we step into this new year, listen, that conveyor belt's moving, that window of opportunity is going to be there, God has said no to other things because he has a yes to something better, and we're going to step into the exact facility he has for us. The only way we miss it is if we're not prepared. How tragic would it be for the conveyor belt to have started, the window of opportunity to be in front of us, but we can't jump? Because so often in life what people do is they wait to prepare for the moment and then it's too late. Yeah. We've got to be getting ready now. So what you started doing, what I started doing, what we started doing last year was we started developing a financial war chest for when that moment is ready. And so in Rise Up, what I'm going to ask you to do starting this week is begin praying about over the next year what you can give over and above to the life of C3 to keep developing that war chest. And I wonder, I just wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder as we rise up and why would we call it Rise Up? Because when we pour our lives into the church rising up, the community will rise up, people we love will rise up, and you'll rise up. And, and also in the Old Testament, the Bible says, hey, if you'll lift me up, I will draw people to myself. And so for the next year, it's all about rise up. And this is how you can do, part of a way you can do what you were born and created to do and how you and I are wired. We want to matter more. We want to make a difference. This is part of how. Be praying with me and with Angie, with our team, about over the next year what you and I can give over and above to be ready. And I wonder, I wonder if you're faithful in doing that. I wonder if I'm faithful in doing that. I wonder if God might speed that conveyor belt up a little bit. Because as we are prepared, what what if God, it's more than us waiting on God, what if God's waiting on us? And at the moment we have what he knows we're going to need, the opportunity pops and we jump through it and thousands and thousands of lives will be changed. And no matter what you do in life, your head will hit your pillow every single night knowing you're making a difference, your life matters, you're investing in something bigger than you. Lives are being changed, marriages are being restored, people are finding hope, kids are defining their purpose because you're making an investment beyond you. So what I'm asking you to do is begin this week praying, God, what would you have me do over and above? For the next year, what would you have me give? And I'm asking God, I'm asking you to ask God the same thing I am. God, I want to live bold. I I want to give in a way over and above that I feel it. I want to do something significant, and I don't, I, I don't want to stand there when you're calling us to do something and think about, well, if I was there, if I had that kind of job, I could do it. If I was in this position, I, I, I got some debt, I got some things. Whatever. If I was in this position, I could do it. Hey, God's calling us to start where we are. Use what we have and do what we can. It's not about all of us, it's about each of us. Each of us answering that prayer, God, I believe, will bless your life, your family. He will bless the church, and we will be prepared to step into what he has for us. If you're a guest this morning, you came the first time, you're like, dang, it was so good till he got to the money part. <laughs> I mean, there's even some stuff I could put on Instagram, and I won't even give him credit. I'll just be like, I thought of this. Start where you are. Use what you have. It's great. Awesome. Beautiful picture behind it. I'm good at photographs. I'll put something. I'll be beautiful. It's okay. I got it from somebody else. But listen, what if we do this? What if we do this? Can you imagine what would happen if we do this? So please be praying with me. If you're a guest and you are thinking, oh, come on, hey, listen, we do this kind of stuff for you. You, You're getting a very transparent look behind the scenes at how we think and what's important to us, and it's you. We're doing this so we can impact your life, help your marriage, partner with you to bless and grow your kids, do everything we can to make a difference in your life. We're doing this because you matter. And so if you're not a part of C3, please do not feel any obligation. If you are a part of C3, I am asking you, if you consider C3 your church, pray, ask God, God, what will you have us give over the next year, over and above to rise up? And just like last year, everything you give goes in a separate account. We're building that war chest for when that conveyor belt gets in front of us, the opportunity, and we jump into something more exciting than we've ever seen. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you so much for your love, your mercy, and your grace, for the opportunity to be a part of a community of faith where we want to see big things happen. We want to see you do more. Father, I pray in this process you would help each of us discover how we can matter more than we ever thought we could. What if? Thank you for what you're going to do. Thank you for the way you love us. In Jesus' name, amen.